0: Welcome to Moving the Rock. Whether sales is all you do or only part of what you do, the strategies and tactics of success can often feel split between two realities. You can become someone you're not to earn the recognition and praise of people you don't respect, or you can try to figure it out on your own, knowing you'll underperform your potential. We're here to offer a third way.
1: The idea that you can't have success without compromise is just wrong. You don't have to compromise to win in the long term. You can play the game in such a way that you win in the short term and the long term. Through our hard lessons learned, we can shift your way of thinking and create a better way. I'm Chris, founder of SightShift.
0: And I'm James, founder of Florist Group. If you're tired of the status quo, we're here to help you move the rock on your career, your business, and your life. Welcome. We are here with uh, Dan Rockwell and my partner to my left. Uh, <laughs> Chris McAllister. How you doing, Chris? Doing pretty good. Awesome. So uh, we got a wonderful uh, opportunity to talk to uh, a forward thinker and someone's going to blow us out of our seats. And that's not not Chris McAllister this time. It's actually Dan Rockwell with Big Kitty Labs. Dan, can you tell our audience? Um, yeah. A little bit about you and and Big Kitty Labs.
2: Yeah, so I run a small, uh, um, my partner and I, Tashara Kokarni and myself, we run a software development agency here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, We have teams all over the world, India and Ukraine, and of course here in the United States. And we basically specialize in helping startups take their ideas to life. Um, We work with Fortune 500 companies and smaller companies and we help uh, people uh, take the idea and and actually form it into an actual product and then get to market and raise money. We work with venture capitalists. We work with, uh, you know, we work with people who are broke. We work with people that have money and we work with people that have ideas. We work with presidents, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, we really kind of specialize in knowing the full gambit from idea to traction to true momentum to, to, um, you know, like, Oh my goodness, now you have a business. Whew. So um, we really uh, specialize in that whole gambit. We work with students. We do a lot of mentoring. We do a lot of talks and uh, it's, it's been, um, it's been a blast for me uh, every day. I get to have, you know, I get to talk to 10 different entrepreneurs every day and and, and, and try to keep everything uh, sane, which is fun. Um, but uh, it's good. It's a, a rocket roller coaster. Keep it real. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dan's one of those few people that I know that I can talk to and I can take anything that I'm thinking, whatever weird about the future and conjecture and, right. mm-hmm. and it's this bumbling conversation that has the ability to push out the imagination to its edge, but also think through the, the strategic yeah. business implications. And, yeah. and that's such a unique combo I think you bring about Thanks. who you are.
2: Thank you. I love, I actually love doing that. I love taking, uh, sometimes it's fun to take, you know, three things that don't belong together and smash them together and see what, what the business could be. You know, COVID is an interesting uh, simulation and in, in terms of taking an entire world and putting it on pause for six months and seeing, you know, where the innovation lies, you know, and we we're seeing that we're seeing, you know, certain businesses basically, um, go into extinction and then we're seeing new businesses appear. Um, cause the entrepreneurial spirit is, is not really tied to greed. It's really sort of tied to the enablement of the human spirit. What can I do? Uh, what, where's the opportunity of what I want to do for next? And so, um, there was a time there during the COVID where there was, there was no hope. There was like, ah, it's over, you know. <laughs> uh, and then hope kind of got back to the table, which is cool. Uh, uh, so, the, yeah, the, those, those are the places where I thrive. I
1: love those. When you say hope came back to the table, can I ask a question, Jimmy, or did you have yeah. something? I, of course I have something, but go for it, man. Yeah, uh, well, the... Um because I, I, I totally mm-hmm. j- jive with that entrepreneurial spirit. That's mm-hmm. what Jimmy and I are about. It's the moving the rock idea. You're You're advancing. You're moving yep. it forward. You're making it better. Yep. However, I do think there's like this more – not not entrepreneurs a malaise that's hanging over society as a whole mm. um and and tracking with you that entrepreneurs are different but what is right now giving you that uh, mm. indication or that signal that that there's hope and there's new vision and well,
2: I mean, there's a there's a convergence of micro-trends happening right now. Um, so the, the convergence of micro-trends is dealing with the new norm. So we have a new norm experience that is, uh, you know, for example, mediums like this are becoming much more common. They're no, no longer like, ooh, let's do a call, a video call, right? It's becoming a staple, right? So you have uh, of a trend that's changing on how people interact. You have a trend in addressing the current um Uh, darkness in the room, COVID, right? You have a, you have a trend on on um, grant funding, you know, most entrepreneurship activities are usually, they're always going to be geared around access to capital. So where does the capital come from? Well, right now there's a lot of people that want to see innovations that deal with COVID. So that's there's you know, 70% of the funding that's out there right now is probably hitting on the COVID angle, at least in the visceral instant right away. So you're building everything from systems to check your employees and make sure they're okay, to you know, uh, contact tracing, you know, contact tracing was in its infancy when this thing started. Now it's like, you know, there's going to be nine platforms that do it great. Right. You know? Um, So it's, it's, um, you know, that's a micro trend. And then I think, I think people are understanding the pathway. They're learning the new networking. They're learning the new way to socialize, the new way to promote their business, new way to, to make their business more authentic. Uh, what's interesting is the authenticity has survived the digital transition layer, which is really pretty amazing before it used to be very enhanced in person. Now it's, I'm going to express my product to you in a new way, maybe video wise or whatnot. I'm still can sell it. I know you still want those cool shoes. you still want that cool guitar you still want this thing over here you know what i mean so people still want the services we're just translating the mediums to to communicate that message and um and i think certain businesses will definitely take off and thrive um and in a lot of businesses uh you know like the the diner down the street you know that's going into extinction right can not get people in there it's changing this whole dynamic of of what it means to have traction and flow in terms of customers coming in so in a lot of ways, sitting down and just thinking about how your how your uh, river works, I used to I, I made up a term once for a talk I did at Startup Weekend. I called it stream engineering, where you want to find a river of something moving fast, like customers, and you want to sit right next to the river and study that traffic and understand how people move, how they think, and then build a business right by the river. You know, so they could turn the wheel of what you're trying to do and make a product what happened with COVID is the river went away, went dry. <laughs> so all the businesses by the river are like, ah, hmm. you know, uh, and, and, um, and now we've had to sort of re or better understand where is the flow? Where is the, uh, the use, you know, uh, technologies like zoom, you know, their, their profit is, is up three, 3,500, 3,500% you know, 3, in six months. I mean, Amazon is up, you know, seven seventy eight billion, 78 billion. Right. Uh, so But you know, it's benefited some, and and it hasn't benefited others. But yeah, I think um, it's about—it's really not about your idea so much. It's about where you think your customer is, and how your customer's feeling, and whether or not they're going to be open to what you're doing. Um, It's really fun,
0: right? And the bridge between the idea and the customer is where sales exists. And uh, when we kicked off, you uh, were before the show. You talked about, you know. You work with a lot of folks that wanna sell something. Yep. I think it's it's fascinating to me to think about innovation, how innovation can occur inside, as you were talking about, a startup. Mm-hmm. But innovation also occurs inside large fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. And in that environment, the salesperson changes from a, a traditional salesperson to mm-hmm. an IT person who is yeah. now selling yeah. yep. IT innovations inside the organization. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that is really, you know, all
2: sales is deeply rooted in uh, rapport and value and um, and truly understanding, kind of understanding the whole life cycle of your product. Where does it fit in the customer's mind from a value sense? Um, And then making sure they have access to it in such a way that they don't get... They don't get bogged down in the experience to acquire it. You know, Nothing nothing kills sales more than I, I see the shiny object, but I have to go through 18 hoops to buy it. Uh, screw it. I, I, I'll i decide not to buy it. You know what I mean? There's, And that's part of the, in a lot of ways, that's also sort of a, an after effect of our mindset today. You know, um, you know, growing up, I didn't have Google to tell me everything about a certain, you know, historian. I had to go and get a book and read, oh man, that's stuck getting that book out. Now I, everything's fast, visceral. I can, you know, I can, I can put a, you know, I can put a young engineer in a room with a case of Mountain Dew and some video, YouTube videos and they can learn how to code in 16 hours. I couldn't do that before. You know, I, um, it's just the, the rate of how we want things today is crazy. Uh, And it's also instant gratification. Uh, And so with that mindset, our sales mindset is also prone to that perception of instant gratification. So sales is as much about the product experience and how well it could actually tell its story and communicate its value, as it's the importance of the actual salesperson to establish rapport enough to sell it to somebody. You know. So they had to deliver some of the best products out there, uh, actually don't commute anything at all. And you just get them, you know, crest never told me how great teeth whitening is. Sure. They spent $58 billion on advertising, but I never thought about it. I just picked it up and buy it because it's a staple right? But staples are great. Is your product going in a staple mindset or is your product going in like, uh, you know, these are, here's a toothbrush that actually plays Rihanna when you brush your teeth. And I don't know if I need that or not. Now it's possible. And I can upload it with different songs so I could listen to 50 cent when I brush my teeth. But do I want to do that? I don't know. That toothbrush is $78, but the one I get from crest is four. You're competing against a staple and you're trying to innovate in such a way that the value transition doesn't work there. But um, for example, my wife wants to learn how to sing. Getting a singing coach traditionally could run $10,000, but I could use a masterclass, pay online $38 and learn from the woman who sang the Frozen theme, right? Mm -hmm. And it's authentic and it's real and it feels... (laughs) It feels true. It feels like she can access, and she's enabled. She can do it from the comforter home. So it's it's the the enablement of it and uh, that proposition and how it gets
1: sold. Yeah. When when you think about like where the river dried up and yeah. and leaning into that moment, it's crazy mm-hmm. that you use that as analogy because that's exactly yeah. Jimmy and I have talked about this. Like. Cool. Cha- business changed. Yeah. The river dried up, and I, I even told my kids this. I was like, "I yeah. gotta go in, in through the woods." <laughs> I already had some little streams that were yeah. developing, but now yeah. I gotta like d- dam up and figure out some pools and <laughs> dig it out, and you know the whole thing. <laughs> Where right now yeah. do you see the 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 customer transaction changing? Because I think you, I think yeah. a, a, a strength for you, and if you want to hit this too, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Some rivers that are new, but yeah. in, in addition to that, like COVID, what has changed about how people think about the engagement process or buying that that you're paying attention to, in addition to the technological piece you were speaking at? You know, what are those psychographic changes?
2: Well, there's definitely a renewed focus for, you know, search engine optimization, SEO type stuff, making sure that people can find what they're doing online. you got to be online. There's a big push. There's always a big push for like... Um, you should be in every search engine box. So for example, if you make a cool product, but your product doesn't exist on Apple's search engine box for the iPhone, then that's just another place where you might not exist. Mm. So I always like to think about it. Like if I go into Google and I type in this keyword I heard on the Oprah show, I want to find something. If I go into the Android play store and I'm thinking about that theme and I type it in that word, I want to see something. So you kind of want to be in this is, this used to be a theme that was bigger with me, I'd say three or four years ago than it is now, but I still think it's true now is that you kind of want to be every place that a customer may expect to see you. Um, And that's all all on the uh, interpretation of the brand itself. And the brand and, and the product and the value perception. In other words, does the customer would they want to see you on display in the mall? Yes or no? Would they expect to see you on a billboard down going down the street? Would they expect to see you printed on a napkin they had at McDonald's, right? Maybe, maybe not. And it's kind of um, those are all opportunities for you to sort of change and maybe get a new audience, but you should you should sort of think about where the audience is now where is the audience now well people are trapped in their houses and they're looking for things to do and they're you know, we we have a we have a new cultural norm. Whereas I'm wearing a shirt and there's nothing else on, right, right, <laughs> right. Or uh, you know, I don't mean to go in that space, but um, or I'm multitasking. I know a lot of friends who are doing a call and doing Call of Duty in the background. No, exactly. We'll get that meeting done tomorrow, right? So we're, cause we can we can control what we can project here, right, and say for work. That's a new medium. That's that's actually not unlike texting. Where you ever text to somebody and you reply and they type something, they erase it, and then they start typing again, right? You don't get to see, like in person, you don't get that that chance to rewrite. You know, in person, if I said, yeah, I, I really like sneakers, oh, I meant flowers or something like that, I screwed up in person. But online, I can change it. I can, I can modify it. So we're kind of moving into this experience online where we're, we're, we're beginning to edit our behaviors and edit our projection of perceived behavior, uh, which I think is going to be good and bad.
1: Yeah. yeah bad, think, <laughs> well, <laughs> it'll it'll surface, yeah, the people that want to check out and not yeah. put an effort forth. I think about that yeah. person who's in sales, who's scheduling now. Mm-hmm. It's all demonstrations, it's all yep. visual, it's all zoom based. Um, yep.
2: newsletters, they're
1: doing everything they
2: can to reach out and connect and they're trying to find ways to uh, connect authentically. And, and there's new software being developed, I would say, to sort of find a new authentic um, connection between people. Um, not just from ads, but from the potential, you know, we used to talk about, you know, in 2008, 2009, the social graph was a hugely popular uh, concept in that I could take Chris McAllister's social graph, meaning I know where he's on Facebook, he's on Snapchat, he's on these platforms. I can make a perception that why he's on those platforms. And then I could think about who Chris McAllister is from a mindset. What would he use Facebook for? What's he use Instagram? For and then I try to understand sort of like how you think of a person, and then I try to orientate my business to target that Um, and be where you know I almost want I want I want engineered serendipity. I can't make it an ad in your face. I have to I have to almost plant it in your mind so that it was your idea to love my product from the start. It's inception, Mm -hmm. and and the crazy thing is is that that can be engineered. And that is being engineered today. I can Where is it being engineered today? Mostly engineered through Facebook, mostly being engineered through um the, the larger brands that can truly afford the the multi prong strategy to do it. And Apple. You know, Apple's one of the probably the best uh companies at this point of inception. And what's crazy is they don't incept on the product. They don't ever think about the product. They incept on the on the notion of where you think next should be. And then they have enough, they have they have enough residual residue on what they're doing for for it to be in line with what you will always wanted. So you're not actually you're not trying to market the new iPad six thousand. You're trying to you're trying to get in line with where that person and what they aspire to be and want to be, and then you're guiding them toward your arc. Right. And I know, man, it's crazy, but that that's what's happening.
1: So if you were starting a, a organization now, like yeah. right now, and you were training up a, a sales mm-hmm. staff mm-hmm. and you were empowering them to mm-hmm. go out there and do it, what technologically would you well, um, I would, prime them for?
2: Well, I would take the sales team and I'd say, you know what, for the first you know, 90 days in this company, you're not in sales. You're in research. Congratulations. Welcome board. Now in research, you're going to go out there and you're going to create... Total understandings. You're going to create personas of your customers. You're going to meet your customers. You're going to do some experimentation. You're going to you're you're actually not going to sell your product. You're actually going to talk to them about um, everything around what the thing you might want to sell. You want to understand the whole world a little bit, and then you want to play a little bit with some scenario thinking. Like, um, okay, so Chris McAllister loves his grill, right? I know he's a big griller. But I'm going to say your girl got stolen, gone, mm-hmm. but what are you going to do for the next three weeks? You got a couple of parties coming up. How would you handle that? And you're going to tell me about everything you would normally do or how you sort of approach that. Or I would, what's what I really love in research is uh, giving people a broken prototype, give them a product that actually doesn't work. And they pick it up and they're like, oh, this should work. Like, this should be easier than that, right? They get all frustrated and they tell you everything that's viscerally what they care about. That is like that. Those visceral attributes and things that they talk about is the foundation of your billion-dollar business, right? So it's it's understanding your customers. You have to do that before you can sell. Uh, it can, it, it you could you could do basic, you know, hey, we made this thing, check it out, but. You're wasting your time. And in fact, a small startup, especially in the beginning, that research phase helps you build the true intellectual property the company is going to be founded on that they have no idea about. Right? Like the more they can actually understand how to unlock their customer and understand their customer actually amplifies the value in the company for every time they do it. So you can have a company worth zero right now, go out and study 20 people around a specific niche that you care about, and you've instantly created $300,000 in intellectual property. Right. Right. And you might say, that's crazy. That's not true. Well, it is because you not only know these people and what they care about, but you have your theory about what your product does to them. So you have your methodology and your framework for understanding the value and you have the base data. And now you have an opinion, right? Now you have a perception and an opinion that you can now project into your newsletter and your thought leadership, or you can project into your uh, other aspects and you can build a foundation and someone calls you out on it. You have your white paper because you did your research. So you're not, you're not going to get caught flat footed, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you're talking about an (laughs) authentic, Connection because you've yeah. done the work. You've done the so, work. Yeah, what you've done for me, Dan, is you've connect, created a really neat connection that seems obvious, but wasn't top of mind for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talk, when we talk with sales teams, uh, we talk with them about being customer centric, which requires an understanding of the buyer mm-hmm. and how they perceive value, not our definition of value, but their definition of value. What you just described, you know, this idea of going out and doing research. Uh, you're you're informing and, and correct me if I'm using these words incorrectly, but yep. you're informing the algorithm that either the technology will use to connect authentically, or the salesperson and their technology yep. will use to connect authentically. But it's yep. still customer driven. I think that's really interesting. The, the, the concern I have is is when we look at technology and how mm-hmm. it can be used to understand us so well that it becomes manipulative. Oh yeah. And yeah. I wonder what your experience is there because that manipulativeness yep. can seem authentic, but we know that it's really oh, yeah. it's taking not. advantage of us. Well it's you know it's funny um,
2: like four years ago I was on NPR talking to um on our Tech Tuesday show and we were talking about fake news and and they, you know the trend was just coming out, and I'm like, yeah, fake news is absolutely going to be generated. Like there is going to be systems in place to generate fake news, um, And that's definitely happening today. And I think the dangers of these things is, is um, uh, technology can not only understand this, but the technology <laughs> gets used in a way to understand our anxiety and how we're influenced. And our influence is not just useful for telling us sort of what shoes to buy. It's also useful for us, for the systems to understand what we would be most anxious about. What critical events would we most be likely to be rash decision-making from? So it's, um, you know, money is a pressure point, right? So when you go to sites like Lower My Bills or something like that, or places that that can lower your bills, you're, you're in a vulnerable state. You want a discount? You, you know, if you go to a place to check in, um, could you want to check in your old, uh, my my uh, my granddad for um, a medical procedure or something like that? That's one of the best places to actually study experience is in these critical places because you'll see experiences that are absolutely horrific, but you'll endure them because you don't want someone to die, right? Um, And it's. uh, it is problematic across the board and it's not easy for the customer to out- navigate and, and actually experience true authenticness. So you almost have to, you you want to, even in this digital age, you still want to pick up and talk on the phone. if You can, and you want to get people incentives to do that so that you get them to open up from their comfort zone. One of the things that was very popular in the early web 2.0 innovation timeline was uh, it's in beta. Um, For example, uh, the people that made Slack, before they made Slack, they made a product called Flickr long, long ago. And Flickr uh, was an image program, um, basically it's pre-Instagram, by probably five years or six years of that. And they kept the product in beta the whole time. So every time you logged in, it said, hey, we're in beta, but welcome Try to figure it out. You know? And it was a great program. They stayed in beta. And I always wonder, why they stay in beta? Because they always left the product open for the customers to actually tell them how to improve it. And so people created a participatory state of mind when they use the product. And then they became loyal to the product because they became authentic engineers of it. So it's really, um, I can see that coming back, for example, where you're yeah. doing code, you're doing co-creation. If you can do co-creation with people, you can create um, such a hook that is unbreakable in a lot of ways because they become part of the experience. So.
1: That That is lighting my brain up so much because even, you know, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I didn't set out to even do coaching or be a coach. Somebody asked for my content mm-hmm. and wanted me to coach them, and I was like, huh, well uh, there's an idea yeah and and actually kind of co-created it with them i had the Mm -hmm. content that i took people through but it Mm -hmm. wasn't actually in that kind of format and uh and then that changed everything so so i love how you said picking up the phone still matters because Mm -hmm. i I know jimmy appreciates that Mm -hmm. and the people listening will appreciate that that Mm -hmm. uh, you know at the end of the day Mm-hmm. the tools can accelerate us, but if we're hiding behind them, yeah. not allowing that human connection to occur, yep. you know, I'll look at my little yellow sheet of names to contact and mm-hmm. reach out to and be like, I'm old school. I'm writing it on paper. Some yep. of these people, I just get that feeling I'm supposed to call yep. them. Yep. You know? yep. the engineered serendipity. Yeah, Dude, totally. Man, fire me yeah. up.
2: Shh. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember um, I, think, you know, I think the other thing that's it's interesting right now is um, because we're all online, we're all using online tactics, there are easier ways for us to understand what tactics other companies are using. So there's lots of tools that allow you to uh, study your competition. So you can study how they've used words, you uh, add words, traffic, placements. You can sort of build a map of how someone would sort of compete with you in a, in a base. What's interesting about that is not necessary to analyze somebody who's directly competing with you but to actually analyze a company that you aspire to be (laughs) for, for example. So like I'm, I'm in the business of selling, um, custom sneakers. That's cool. But I really love, I love the way, you know, Tesla markets study them, study how they create their systems and their setups, how they do their triggers, how they're doing it, and then add that to your process. You know what I mean? So this, it's like you, you don't have to, technology is agnostic to what we're talking about. All it cares about is the acceleration of its own purpose. You know what I mean? The the infusion of it. In fact, technology loves remixing. And nothing more, if the great god of technology doesn't want you to be doing this linear process, it's falling asleep in the chair going like, this crazy. But if it looks down on earth and sees Dan going, I'm going to take a blender and I'm going to make it work with a fax machine, technology is going like, I like that guy. That guy's crazy. Let's follow that. He might have an idea there. right? You know, so, so that's, and you can do that with digital technologies easier. Much harder to do that in the real, uh, but that's actually coming down because more and more people can three D print, right? More and more people can ideate and create in their basement. I can I can actually build my own synthesizer in my house and never talk to a, a, an engineer on how to do it. And I can screw around. And the, the more people have that ability to do that and the more that becomes the barriers to do that fall, not only does the ecosystem gets formed around that, which has opportunity in itself, right? When the ecosystem forms, there's all these new opportunities to actually sell products within those ecosystems to support the very people that want to play in that ecosystem. That's a very powerful um, uh, frame of mind to keep in mind because that's what's powering 70% of our digital movement. It's not necessarily that we're buying products, it's that we're creating these, we create a micro ecosystem that then grows to a larger ecosystem. And then that ecosystem itself fuels $4 trillion of development for itself. And now you have 16 of these things all going in different directions. There's an ecosystem around drones. There's an ecosystem around AI. There's an ecosystem around uh, electronic cars. There's an ecosystem around authentic consulting online. You know what I'm saying? And as these ecosystems grow, they create their own economies. And so the question is, where is your business? And you know, are you in one of those growing
1: ecosystems? By the river. Are you by the river? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Outstanding. Yeah, what's really cool about the conversation, too, is, um, you know, one of the first things I thought of when you were talking is you know, Mm -hmm. where is technology getting in our way, right? Because you open up a conversation talking about uh, when we make the decision-making process or the buying process more difficult, uh, we're failing. Mm I'm, you know we've all said this to ourselves but I'm just recently I've been hearing this more and more about how overwhelming it is to have all this technology around us and all these ways for people to get up us especially today versus six or seven months ago when yep. we're just be- so you know it seems to me that and the nature of this conversation has been one where we've been talking about even more ways technology can serve us yeah how can we as human beings exist on all these platforms yeah Okay. That's- how can we be possibly yeah. reachable on all these platforms? So at what point does yeah. human nature yeah. are human nature saying, look, yeah. I have to just pick and choose? Like my kids yeah. might pick yeah. and choose two instead of ten. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh what's funny is, is that those are actually becoming the new niche. Like what and what I mean, like the new micro niche and trend. Uh, I saw it happen a couple of years ago in Japan when they said uh you know, you know, take some time out of your day. Let's do some forest bathing. <laughs> forest bathing? What the fuck? What the? Heck? I'm sorry. What the heck is the forest bathing? Like, we go on the forest. We walk together. Like, you you walk on a path. Yes, but it's 38.95, and you can do it for four weeks. <laughs> so it's like. But you you have a good point. you are actually seeing a lot of people reject technology right now too. Covid's been another good example to watch another trend that's happened, right? Where bike sales went up skyrocketed. Uh people are doing tons of RVs and living across America, right? Interesting. We have a new realm of of like freedom happening. There's a new splinter of freedom that's kind of occurring in our lives. We have a new perception of like how personal time matters. And I think that's an offset not just of Covid, but more so of the anxiety the cause and effect of it and uncertainty. Um, and there's, I think one trend is going to spawn, you know, this, this is a trend that has sort of popped up and gone away and popped up and gone away uh, is minimalism. Minimalism is going to come back huge uh, because there's going to be this, you know, the, the notion for the simple, I'm going to act, I'm going to cook at home we're going to actually eat together. Like I'm going to face you and you're going to, I mean, that, those are crazy paradigms in the world of generation that grew up on call of duty. Right. So, um, I think, I think that there are people rejecting technology, especially social mediums that, that, that they don't like anymore. And I think that personal time in the outdoors, like, I feel like, I feel like America, uh, realized they had a park in their neighborhood you know what i mean i think there's a, there's that trend is definitely happening so and it's um there, there's there's something about nature that uh communicates a level of complexity that you can relate to and at the same time you can feel absolutely serene and and you can't do that anywhere else you know uh and that's can that's that's like a drug
1: yeah it's funny that we're talking about that because yesterday i did some meetings in a park across the street from my house and i did them back to back and we walked during them and i was like why i had an office in an expensive part of town That's right and i don't now because of covid and mm-hmm. i had this park across the street the whole time mm-hmm. and why don't i do more meetings like i mean it's just like all, yeah. everything you're saying i, I, I want to drill down on the yep. simplicity complexity thing for people that are listening mm-hmm. um you know i'm just putting a big exclamation yep. mark on that i'm seeing the same thing even in the kinds of conversations people have like even regarding spirituality it's like Mm -hmm. i can't handle the 72 inputs and options for how i could conceive of my spirituality so then they're reducing it back down to either these like really wild-haired uh you know intangible, hard to understand expressions, almost, uh, you know, a little bit cult-like, uh, not mm-hmm. it, not that it would be mm-hmm. a cult, or, or reducing mm-hmm. down some of these more ancient traditions down to yeah. just a simple black and white expression, yeah. because they're looking for that certainty, and I think what I see people doing, too, in the way they execute their mission or their business mm-hmm. and their sales, it's it's the overwhelm, and mm-hmm. so then they're, and, and I actually feel like it, it's the same as a philosophical process and i want to hear what you think about this mm-hmm. it's it's been called in philosophy the second naivete so that you you progress through the simplicity mm-hmm. to the complexity mm-hmm. rather than retreating back to a new superstitious mm-hmm. simplicity you, you endure that phase to come out to the other side with a second naivete uh, mm-hmm. a hard-fought-for simplicity Um, Of of execution and focus and that is what I see my own self doing in my own progression. Mm -hmm. But I wonder what you think about like where that fits with technology and sales. If you think about like Big Kitty, they got to go out and crush and build. Yes, you've already gotten them to do the scenario studying. They know the customer. They know how you give them a way of. Yeah, that energy and focusing it into some key steps, actions, technologies, any of that.
2: Well, um, I think that that notion of starting simple and then pushing through the complex, and then sort of having a renowned appreciation for the simple. Completely true for technology and the progression of how technology really changes. Um, I think think on on how entrepreneurs are kind of working with technology in that regard (laughs) um i I see it it's a hard one but i i I think that that's definitely happening um it's in technology it's it's a fast-paced moving environment like right now we're moving we're still the technology is just a billion things going on and, and one of the tools and techniques that people use is uh, one is called um, a journey map. You build a journey map of your product, or really more so not only your product but your customer. Where does the customer find out about it? How do they first approach it? How do they first use it? How do they tell their friends about it? How do they share it with others? How do they, you know, what how, what's the life cycle of the tech of the tech, and then and then how do they go back full circle again? And so you're doing a lot of you're trying to understand that life cycle of the product. So, where, how long does it stay in the customer's sort of visceral mindset, or or the mindset that keeps the value there? And and that that really depends on whether it's a staple or something more authentic. Uh, if it's a digital product, um, it's a it's a battleground. It's a digital product. Um, you're you're battling for attention, and if you're just doing, if it's just on attention alone, you're going to lose. People have to find some authentic reason why they carry it. There's a reason why I carry Chris McAllister's book with me wherever I go on vacation. Why? Because it's a fun read. Makes you feel relaxed. What is it? Why do I carry the Bible with me everywhere I go? Bible's an interesting product to study, right? Why is that? I could keep, you know what I mean? So it's like <clears throat> you have to understand... The role of that product and that person's life beyond the sale. If all you think about is a sale and then you walk away, you don't have a business.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. So that That's such a freaking meta answer mm-hmm. to uh, everything that I think I see people in some businesses that we're connected to struggling because they're just looking at that yep. one isolated piece, yep. trying to address it with right. an adoption mm-hmm. of technology mm-hmm. rather than saying, I've got to look at this whole big picture, man. i got some chills.
2: <laughs> got some chills. <laughs> you know, another big thing that's connected to that is... The notion of freemium—you know, people like, yeah—I'll market for free and I'll get them in the door. That doesn't always work. Sometimes, if if people if people read your service is truly valuable and it's free, it it snaps something in their brain. You know, Uh, I struggle with that because I do a lot of mentoring and consulting. A lot of times, I give my consulting away for free, and so then the perception is, oh, maybe it's not worth that much. Maybe it's not that good. you know, my my brother has a research company. I got a lot of the stuff from my brother, Chris Rockwell. There's, this thing to him. Kind of, that's where I learned a lot of stuff from. Um, there's a, there's always a sense of the paradox of choice. You know, you showed me a pair of shoes and you gave me 38 colors to choose from. It creates a pause in me to figure out what I want, causes me to create more research. Actually, learn about another shoe and go buy it. Right, right. right. You know, so you're you're actually, you kind of wigged me out. You know. Um, And that's one of the other things that's kind of, um, you know, one of the other stories we always hear about was how Steve Jobs always used the word magic when he gives talks. This magical screen that comes on. So easy. It's like magic. Why? Because magic is fantasy. Magic uh, makes you feel uh, gifted, godlike. And now you're in control of the gifted, godlike. Do you want the iPad because of the of the features of keynote, or do you want to feel like a god? You know, so it's like, yeah, you, your product has to think beyond the value it provides. I feel like the value is an, is an equation of how it was presented to me. There's a percentage there, the right. perception of who created it. Um, you know, half the times people want to buy a Tesla, not because it's a great car, but because you know what? <laughs> Elon Musk's a crazy. He's like the new Steve Jobs. I want to own a piece of him. Right. Yeah. I mean, we aspire to to that. Um, I mean, this is a crazy synthesizer that I'm building over here. And I'm I'm buying modules from a guy in Sweden because... He's just innovative and I want to own like one of the modules he makes a thousand run module. I want to own a piece of him, like a piece of art. So but that's a very powerful thing today. So it can't just be about the the quick sale.
0: I love the conversation, Dan, because we're, we're, um, what we're discovering or what I'm discovering is, is that we're at this inflection point where we have this demand for the authentic, the demand for the minimalistic, the demand for the most natural, basic experience. This right. move back to basics and back to the basic elements of what make mm-hmm. us who we are, and the experiences that our grandparents and their and their grandparents had in life without technology, without. And then we have this amazing um, cacophony of development on the technical side. Mm-hmm. That is just drowning many people, mm-hmm. drowning mm-hmm. us in um, options and choices. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. That's really yeah. driving that move to move toward authentic, authenticity, and in sales, mm-hmm. especially, yep. you got folks that are out there using every means possible to be mm-hmm. as inauthentic as possible. Exactly, reaching yeah. out to us, mm-hmm. and then there are folks like there are folks like Chris and I. Like, okay, how do we get above the noise? Well, maybe mm-hmm. we just show up the way we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I want to reach out by phone because you know what it's the yep. most authentic way i could feel i could figure right. out and have a conversation with you yep yeah you know another thing that
2: that salespeople should do early on in a startup and especially when it's brand new is it's another place for them to actually innovate their sales they should do they should take a sales team and think about doing like three 90-day trials Let's say you have three salespeople. Each one of them for 30 days or for 90 days is going to try a different sales tactic. So the first guy is going to go all digital, newsletter, it's going to be everything like that. Um, now, you could do this in an experimental setting with an experimental product. Maybe you're not going to do this on your actual product because people are like, oh, I don't, to, I don't want to hurt my baby, right? You know. Um, right. But in a lot of ways, the the risk of hurting your baby actually is seen by authentic to the customer. Mm-hmm. The fact that you would risk... Trying to learn about them is actually, I I might not need your spork, your fork, and 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 spoon, but the fact that you approached the innovation in such a way that you cared about what I thought actually makes me want to buy one just because I I like what you're doing, right? So, you know, I tell this to new entrepreneurs too, is that like, but but you can do this in the sales process is try three different approaches to the sales. One person is totally old school. Gets the phone, sends postcards, calls people up. Jesse, how you doing? Right. He he imagines the world that doesn't exist on the internet. The person in the middle is doing everything digital marketing. Yes, it's all automated. But you know, what level of, of true sales impact do you have? And the other person is completely, you know, Rihanna style social media, you know, influencing. And you're and you're seeing which one gets traction. Now Young startups and systems do favor automation. They do favor things that automatically makes the car move. So step by step, and it has its own momentum. And that's what the startup wants. You know, the startup wants to to wake up in the morning uh, or at the end of the day, and they see, all right, I'm going to put $10 in the box, go to bed, and they wake up and there's 10,000. And people are like, woohoo, it worked. I don't know what happened, but there's new money in here, right? Sometimes that's cool, but the more that scales, you don't know how the money got in the box, the more that becomes an issue. You need to understand what's happening. The person who's doing it more in-person, authentic, might be generating less money, but each one of those dollars is actually tied to loyalty or tied to true traction, you know? So there's just different things to think about. Um, But experimenting is really key in the beginning because you don't know. You're going in with a ton of assumptions, and you think you know, and that's, that's the most dangerous time. <clears throat> it's exciting to think what you know is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen when I put my Blender and my fax together, but it might be kind of cool. And it's fun to create that simulation, but you're doing that to learn from the whole thing. You're not really doing that to, to truly sell the first Blender-enabled fax machine, which could be a billion-dollar business. Um, <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Yeah. No assuming. No assuming. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, be, I I don't remember. It's been a while. I'm taking notes, so thank you, Dan. This has been awesome. I,
0: mean, I got my. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. guys, unfortunately, we uh, we I'm are out of time. But before we wrap, I, I really want to ask each of you, kind of, just summarize what you learned today. What we talked. You know, what was the essence that you're taking away from the conversation today? Because it was it went everywhere, but there were <laughs> powerful themes that uh, emerged. That's always my fault. I go in too many directions. You think?
1: No. Yeah, for me, the immediate. <laughs> takeaway is is to to come back to this idea because i'm in the weeds on a number of projects and to not forget the overall journey of of the the -hmm. customer more than lifestyle you know what's what's their life but it's the difference between an instagram ad that shows the product and an instagram ad that shows the person that's experiencing the product Mm -hmm. um so so good deepening reminder on that so thank you dan
2: Yeah, I I think um, there's there's lots of places to sort of to do that as a practice within the business and even for fun. Like when my wife and I go to an estate sale, I love going through a person's house and seeing the things that lasted the test of time. Mm. You know what I mean? You get to see, wow, this old Kodak camera is here. What was about Kodak that made this thing sit here for 16 generations, you know, <laughs> one of the things you're not going to see, <clears throat> you know, we, that's one of the problems actually of the digital age is that it's it, it like, how does it fade? You know, when everything's on now and then tomorrow it's gone, like it's saved on a hard drive somewhere, but it's not actually part of our sensory. So whatever you are selling, make sure it has some sensory level aspect that can stand the test of time. That's the final note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Sweet.
0: And I loved, you know, I love Dan Dan, what you opened my eyes to is uh Everything we talked about today was connected with a theme of research. Mm -hmm. Knowing, you know, don't guess, no, don't uh, don't assume, um, no, and and the more you know about your customers, the more authentic you can be, and the Mm -hmm. stronger the connection. We're always asked by clients, you know, how do I make uh, success? How do I make change permanent versus temporary? And it's really about. You know, I think the message you can take from your comments today is that investment in research and that investment in yeah. knowing in your customers is really the first step to creating that permanency to the changes and investments in yeah. you, your business. Yeah. It, it, be, it creates your playbook. And,
2: um, you know, if you, if you have that, and I think the, the last thing I would give to everybody is that the first startup your idea have, it's probably going to be the wrong one. Uh, and, and the, the idea you come up with as, as you know, that first idea evolves and you learn from it, that's the true idea it comes from. That's awesome. And so, uh, if, if you can keep a note, I, you're, you gotta stay open for where the universe is trying to take you.
0: Thanks for having me. I loved it. We've had uh, Dan Rockwell with Big Kitty Labs here in Columbus, uh, and we will have you back again. And maybe we'll even have Chris next time uh, mm-hmm. from, uh, yeah, since you yeah. met him, we've got to have him on the, as well.
2: Oh, yeah. you got to talk to Chris. My brother is, is awesome at this stuff. That's awesome. Sweet.
0: sweet. We've been talking to Dan. With me, uh, James Rorys has been my partner, Chris McAllister. Thank you for joining us, everybody. We will see you again mm-hmm. next week. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. thanks for listening if you've learned something or were inspired to try something new please rate the podcast and share this episode with someone you know if you'd like to learn more visit and connect with me james at florist group.com f-l-o-r-i-s-s group.com
1: and if you want to connect with me chris check out site Shift, s-i-g-h-t shift.com peace